With Long Island local and national news, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. House Republicans are at a crossroads as leader Kevin McCarthy has failed over and over again to become House Speaker, but he remains determined to persuade enough right flank holdouts to vote for him and end the stalemate. The Associated Press reports on Newsday.com that what started as a political novelty the first time in 100 years a nominee has not won the gavel on the first vote has devolved into a bitter Republican Party feud and deepening potential crisis. McCarthy is under growing pressure from restless Republicans and Democrats to find the votes he needs or step aside so the House can full fully open and get on with the business of governing. His right flank detractors appear intent on waiting him out as long as it takes, quote, no deal yet, end quote, McCarthy said late Wednesday before the House abruptly adjourned. He added, but a lot of progress. The House, which is one half of Congress, is essentially at a standstill as McCarthy has failed one vote after another to win the Speaker's gavel in a grueling spectacle for all the world to see. The ballots have produced almost the same outcome, 20 conservative holdouts still refusing to support him and leaving him far short of the 218 typically needed to win the gavel. In fact, McCarthy saw his support slipping to 201 as one fellow Republican switched to vote simply present. Quote, I think people need to work a little more, McCarthy said Wednesday as they prepared to adjourn for the night. I don't think a vote tonight would make any difference, but a vote in the future could. Um, In South Old Town, it looks like the board has appointed a new town attorney in a unanimous vote. Lily Parnell um, reports that the board unanimously accepted the resignation of acting town attorney John Burke on Tuesday evening. Mr. Burke has held the position since his predecessor, Bill Duffy, departed in October 2021. Supervisor Scott Russell said the town board is very fond of John. Quote, we're very grateful for the hard work and and knowledge he brought to the position. Uh, Mr. Burke mentioned that he was offered a great opportunity to work for the town of Brookhaven. Quote, that's where I'll be going, and I look forward to that. I was happy to be able to serve the citizens of the town of Southold. Mr. Burke will be succeeded by Paul DeChance, a highly regarded nonpartisan municipal attorney who most recently worked with the town of Brookhaven Zoning Board of Appeals. Mr. DeChance was appointed by a 6-0 unanimous vote of the town board and will start January 10th. Quote, everyone on the board is very excited to work with him, Supervisor Russell said. We're lucky to have him joining us. And in Riverhead, I might even read all of this because uh, there's a lot going on as far as the town board refusing to hold a hearing on a proposed industrial moratorium in Calverton. Uh, Reading Denise Civiletti's piece, you can read along with us on riverheadlocal.com. A split town board on Wednesday declined to schedule a public hearing on a proposed moratorium on industrial development in Calverton, with a majority turning their backs on Calverton residents who have turned out in force to press the board to hit the brakes on development in the hamlet. The resolution on the town board's agenda today would have scheduled a January 18th public hearing on proposed legislation enacting a six-month moratorium on new development in the industrial A, B, and C zoning districts. In Calverton, the resolution was moved by Councilmember Tim Hubbard and seconded by member Frank Bayron. Hubbard and Bayrot were the only two members to vote in support of holding the public hearing. Hubbard, who at first advocated for an 18-month 
moratorium pending completion of the town's long-delayed comprehensive plan update, then agreed to pare it back to six months in the hope of winning support on the board, uh, as he, which he said in an interview after, after the meeting. The vote was a severe blow to effective land use planning in the town of Riverhead. A moratorium may be dead right now, Hubbard said. Quote, we'll have to explore other options. Time is of the essence. But the three members who voted against scheduling a public hearing don't seem to be open to reconsidering. Council member Bob Kern said from the beginning, he said he would look at a code with exemptions, but would not support a blanket moratorium even for six months. Council member Ken Rothwell said he's opposed to a moratorium because he doesn't believe it's proper for the town to take away the property rights of landowners by passing a moratorium. Further, he said a six-month moratorium would not accomplish anything because the planning work would be nowhere uh, near completed in that time. Quote, I do like to hear and I always ask for the public's input, but I think at this time, doing my own due diligence and my own research, I don't think it's the right way to proceed. Rothwell said before voting no. Supervisor uh, Yvette Aguiar spoke during the meeting about how a moratorium would trample on the rights of property owners. Quote, we don't want an oversaturation, Aguiar said, referring to proposed industrial projects pending in Calverton, adding, but we can't stop progress. The supervisor, as she had in the past, again questioned the legality of imposing what she also called a blanket moratorium proposed by Hubbard. Quote, I'm not going to vote to hear from the public on a faulty resolution, Aguiar said. This should be dealt with, and it can be dealt with right now, through code, she said, without offering an explanation to what she meant. After Aguiar cast the deciding vote against the public hearing, Hubbard spoke up, quote, just for the record, I want to state that there is nothing illegal about this, he said. A number of people got up to the podium before the vote to urge support for the public hearing, and a number of people stood up after the vote to complain about the result. Former Supervisor Laura Jen Smith said she was shocked that the board voted against holding a public hearing. Quote, I just cannot believe that you guys did not vote to hold a public hearing for this moratorium, she said, week after week after week after month after month for years now. The community, the constituents of you, the taxpayers of this town have been coming forward to ask for a moratorium, Jen Smith said. They asked to be heard. This was your opportunity to hold a public hearing on record for them to comment on this moratorium and the comprehensive plan. And you voted no. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. End quote. Kathy McGraw of Northville told the board she feels like the community members are beating their heads against a concrete wall when coming to the board to voice opinions. Richard Cole, a resident of Foxwood Village in Calverton, said as a relatively new resident of Riverhead, he marvels at how the board seems to side with developers rather than their constituents. Quote, and yet you, the board, sit there and don't listen to your constituents. I don't know how you sit there in good conscience, agree to side with these developers, and totally ignore the residents of the town of Southhold. I mean, excuse me, Riverhead. Cole said, quote, I don't understand how you could sit there and go to sleep at night making these decisions that you make when it's obvious it doesn't agree with the people that voted to put you in office, he said. I don't understand that. I really don't. And I just pray to God that when your terms are up, you don't get voted back into office because you're not doing your job, Cole said. Uh, Takwi Turchun, president of the Greater Calverton Civic Association, said in an interview after the meeting, she and other members of her civic were extremely disappointed by the board's vote. Quote, how in the world do you entertain public hearings for all kinds of land uses throughout the year 
and refused to have this public hearing, Turchun said. How do you spend more than $700,000 on a comp plan, but then think it's okay to make land use decisions outside the planning process? And think you have enough information and professionalism to pull that off. It just doesn't make sense, Turchun said. How do they do that and look us in the eye, she asked. If they don't think they need to hear from us, Turchun said, they don't belong in public office. Again, Denise Civiletti's uh, report on RiverheadLocal.com about the split town board refusing to hold a hearing on proposed industrial moratorium in Calverton. Looking at the weather, I think I'm going to fly out to the city for this one. We've got Adam um, Odsis Rubin of National Queer Theater joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about a new program um, with NQT. Looking like mostly cloudy today with a steady temperature around 52 degrees. Northeast wind around 7 miles per hour. Tonight a 40% chance of showers after 8. Cloudy otherwise with a low around 43 degrees. Northeast wind around 7 miles per hour. Right now it's 49 degrees and I'm getting back to the piece. Uh, I've got a, a, a new newish track um, from well, 2020 from Corn Hawthorne called Peace, featuring uh, Jonathan McReynolds, then a little Weezer from 2005, Peace from the Make Believe record. I'm Jenna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. You're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. close friends where do i begin we were moving on too fast falling deep in. you know we had a good run but everything must change cause you ain't been so good for my energy so i'ma have to walk away i know that no one's perfect really but i value all my time not to say that you ain't worthy but Stay just close friends Beginning of the end Maybe I made too many keys to my heart And I let the wrong one in See you don't want no one to hold you back If that's what it is then I'll leave you And you don't want no regrets I don't want them either So I know that no one's perfect really But I value all my time Not to say that you ain't worth Remember this, always keep your peace first, peace first, peace first. Yeah, see, here's the thing about it, you gotta respect it. In my life, I know he's first, he's first, 
Peace, love, all the things that you get it right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, though this is the Peace Edition. We have Adam um, Odsis Rubin of National Queer Theater joining us in just a few moments. But first, a little snow allegra. Backwards, that's Huns Argala. <laughs> Noah Allegra leading us to the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour on Thursday morning, a little after one on Friday. If you're listening to the replay, and that means it's time for our Hot Sights and Sounds segment underwritten by William Risk Gallery. Wel- uh, welcoming back to the program, Adam Odsis Rubin of National Queer Theater. Thank you for being back with us, Adam. Thank you, Jenna. You know, um, I read something on the Human Rights Commission website Uh, the other week that I know we're in 2023 now, but that 2021 was the most violent year for transgender and non-binary people. And it's something that that really affected me uh, when I consider 
organizations like yours and the great good that you do um, with National Queer Theater. So very excited to talk about your new initiative, Staging Pride. Please tell us everything uh, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. So Staging Pride Queer Youth Theater is the newest program from National Queer Theater. We're based in New York City. And it's a free after-school queer youth theater program empowering LGBTQ young people ages 12 to 18 through uh, free after-school theater classes led by expert Broadway teaching artists, um, really looking to build community, build positive self-esteem, to build creative outlets for LGBTQ youth in New York City ages 12 to 18. Uh, This is going to take place from February to April and again in the fall uh, every Wednesday at the LGBT Center in New York, which is hosting us for free. So thank you to the LGBT Center. And uh, young people are going to learn all about LGBTQ history and culture uh, using acting, using playwriting, directing to really help them express themselves, express their stories, and really build that self-confidence that is taken away from so many LGBT young people because of uh, bullying, homophobia, transphobia that they get in in schools or at at home. So this is providing a safe, fun, um, creative space for them to really tell their own stories. Super important stuff. Uh, Is there a residency requirement? Because I'm thinking of our listenership here on Long Island. For example, if someone applies from Long Island and they're able to get um, the student to uh, the city for this stuff, would they be looked at? How exactly are applications working? Yeah, so as long as students can get to the program at 4 o'clock on Wednesday at the LGBT Center, uh, they're more than welcome. Uh, I know it might be a bit far for some listeners, um, but unfortunately, you know, this kind of service isn't available in, in Long Island. So, you know, if there's parents listening or teachers and you know a young person that could benefit from this program and they're able to get there, we, we would love to have them. Do you think about doing um, more programming out here? I know that you worked um, on Fire Island last summer, which is when we first had you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in New York, there's still issues and there's still homophobia here, um, but there's a lot of opportunities for LGBT people to to go to the LGBT Community Center or to be involved in, in programming like this. Um, so just personally, I mean, I would really love to work in areas that might not have as much access to these kinds of resources. But the program in Fire Island, um, which is run through the Arts Park of Cherry Grove, is still happening. So oh, that's cool. every July. Um, okay. So definitely any young people who can uh, get get themselves or, or get to the Seville Ferry um, in July uh, are, are super welcome in that program. Can you talk a little bit more about the importance of programming like yours um, and and the importance of safe spaces, uh, especially in, you know, it's, it's a strange time because um, while there may be more acceptance, there is also uh, more of the other stuff, the not so kind stuff, um, as, as I mentioned in the beginning about um, how many transgender and non-binary uh, people are being exposed to to violence 
uh, as a result of uh, sort of, I guess it's like a pushback on the, g- the idea of gender not remaining static in the way that uh, some folks uh, might have grown up to understand it in other generations. Right. So as there's more visibility, there's more backlash. And what we're seeing now is this crushing backlash against especially the trans community, and that's especially targeting vulnerable trans and gender non-binary youth who are really just trying to uh, live authentically as themselves and to live out and proud, which is, you know, what we're trying to do with this program is to to help people live out and proud. Um, And, you know, people are, are scared of seeing society change, of seeing something different than what they grew up with, and they're lashing out. Um, and that's really impacting the health and well-being and the mental health of our trans and non-binary community. Um, so creating safe spaces is, is critical. It's life-saving. Um, you know, in the sense of the fact that queer spaces like Pulse or Club Q in Colorado Springs you know, they they were meant to be safe spaces and, and they were exposed to violence and, and people died um, right. because of violent homophobia. Right. But what's even more sinister, I think, is the internalized homophobia and the internalized transphobia that's created through bullying, through lack of acceptance, through young people um, being disowned by their parents or getting kicked out of the house um, by, you know, parents and family and teachers not using... Uh, kids' um, pronouns correctly, um, and that creates psychological damage, and that right. really can lead to low self-esteem. It can lead to um, anxiety, depression, suicide. So, you know, by creating safe spaces where young people can express themselves, can be themselves, can live openly as gay or bisexual or transgender or queer, um, it's not only you know this kind of like kumbaya community building. It's it's literally life-saving and yes. it's literally um, leading to better mental health outcomes for young people, which is especially important coming out of this pandemic, uh, which has impacted everyone's mental health. Um, and for LGBT young people, especially, you know, often they were um, quarantining maybe with uh, unaccepting family. Mm-hmm. So having that open, safe space outside of a school setting, in an after-school setting at the LGBT center, I'm hoping and I am imagining will be um, very life-saving for these young people. Yes, we can't thank you enough for doing what you do. Uh, It is exactly, as you mentioned, critical uh, and life-saving stuff. Um, And it's amazing, really, uh, because, you know, folks think, oh, oh, it's theater. It's 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 something that's for fun. Um, But it, it is repeatedly mind blowing to me how Theater saves lives, uh, especially in this way. At nationalqueertheater.org for more information. I know that Staging Pride applications uh, are due in just a couple weeks, uh, 10 days from now. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Adam Odsis Rubin. These are the subdudes, and you, whoever you are out there, you just heard the Hot Sights and Sounds segment underwritten by William Riss Gallery right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
got Sharon Van Etten's cover of uh, Nick Lowe's What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding featuring Josh Hummel in just a few tracks. A uh, little two-pack of uh, two artists I don't play very often, OAR and G-Love and the Special Sauced. But first, uh, one you hear every now and again, a little Swifty uh, or a little Taylor Swift for you Swifties out there. I'm Jenna Volpe and you, whoever you are out there, I wish you peace from WLIWFM Studio 51. Would it be enough if 
the dance just build more bombs when they should start disarming with all that money spent on guns instead of food and education we need to buy a little peace and love instead start the healing of the nation give me some peace love nothing funny about that nor understanding we're all about all four of those things right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station WLIWFM the weekday morning and midnight show the heart of the East End playing music from all decades and genres and speaking to folks from all walks of life all because of you the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station deep bow to both of our guests this morning Sheila Flynn DeCoss and Adam Odsis Rubin, as well as our underwriters, Green Hill Kitchen and William Risk Gallery. We see you, North Fork. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Sharon Van Etten and Josh Hummel. We've got a cheap trick on deck. And then if we have any time after that, Nora Jones leading you into the NPR news break for the end of this edition of The Heart. Stay tuned. As I walk through this wicked world, searching for light in the darkness of insanity, I ask myself, is hope lost? Is there
hopped back to 1977 for that one from Cheap Trick's self-titled record, Speak Now or Forever Forever Hold Your Peace. You got something to say to us, 631-591-7006. Leaving you with a little Nora Jones here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Seem to slowly fade away.